bunch of like balloons and stuff. Like, or it's a disco ball. There's lots of celebration going on there. Oh, I didn't know we were starting. <laughs> I didn't know we were starting. Stop well, it. when you hit 6,000 steps, it's just very exciting, it is, isn't there's it? There's a little disco ball. It is. You know what else is exciting? What? College football. It is, and you know, it's here. You know what's even more exciting than college what? football? SEC football. Which is coming. It's not here yet. No. But if you look to the northern sky, like, not north, eastern sky, that's where the sun comes up. Okay. And if you look there three more times, well, wait a minute. Yeah, probably by the time you listen to this, three more times, SEC football is going to be here. That's right. So it's very exciting. And it is. And Tennessee gives us that little present of coming a couple days early. The, the way you said that, it sounds like Tennessee goes to the corner and, you know, <laughs> takes a poop in the corner for everyone to look at. Well, but it might be that it's way. It's Tennessee football after all. We have, we, we had a little football this weekend, a little Big Ten, Illinois, Nebraska. Yeah, you watched more of it than I did. Your thoughts on Illinois and Nebraska. Well, you know I love Brett Bielma. Of course. So um, it was good to see him again. Yeah. I, but I didn't sit down and watch him, so I don't even know how they did. They won. Oh, great. Yeah. Nebra- That's good. Nebraska. So sad. They're really not good. No, no. They are not. It's very sad. But you know what's not sad? SEC football. That's true. I'm trying to bring it back to here as many times as possible. Listen, we're not doing primers anymore. We're doing Praise different God. things. <laughs> well, you didn't like the primers? No, I'm just... It, Y'all, 14 is just a lot of teams. There's a lot of research. saying that, but I'm ready, and there's a lot of research. Yeah, there was a lot going on uh, with those those times. Uh, But we are doing some previewing, and, uh, you know, I think part of me wishes that we had uh, had, were able to do a separate uh, podcast for previews in in week one, Mm -hmm. but that is not to be. Right. And really, no SEC team has a big game in week one. So, really, we didn't need to do a separate show for that. Correct, right? That is not correct. We could have done a whole separate show on Clemson, Georgia. (gasps) Georgia's playing Clemson. What if I just, like, came down here one night and just did, like, a personal, like, set of the mics? At 2 a.m.? Yeah. And was just like, I need to tell you about my thoughts. Put your feet up and say, hello, everybody. (laughs) That's kind of your voice right now. It is. It is. I know. I really, it would sound good to be like, hello. 3 a.m. thoughts on Clemson. Do you know Clemson's quarterback's name? I I, I need gonna, to work on it. I know. I'm not prepared. No, I'm not either, but I really want to be yes. prepared. Yes. I want to be able to. I think what Clemson did is they saw Tua, and they're like, oh, yeah, we're going to raise the stakes a little bit. I know. And, uh, I know. But we'll get to that later. Um, okay, so here's what we're going to do. I'm really excited. Aren't you? Yes, this I is, am. This is some cool stuff that we're going to be and doing. And it's different. It's very different. We actually have to edit. I know. I mean, instead of just rolling with the primers. So what we're going to do, we've got some, uh, I don't know, we, we struggled for the name, but we say expectations. Okay. Uh, team most likely to do this. Coach most likely. Whatever. Uh, because we didn't want this to be totally dry. and But at the same time, we wanted to inform you about... Uh, what's going on in tonight's episode, which is the SEC East. Right. Okay. So we're going to start with the East and kind of give you some of our hot takes R- right? for what we feel like might happen this season. Absolutely. But also give a little bit of background on what to expect. Right. So kind of playing it both ways. Um, now, if, if you're unfamiliar with the SEC, I think we should start here by saying that just for everyone's, you know, better of men of not betterment, it's a word. Is it? Okay. Yeah, it's a good one. Betterment. Is it a word? 
I think I it is. I You're saying it like butterment, though. But, so. butterment. <laughs> uh, for everyone's better knowledge, um, the SEC is divided into two separate divisions. So when we talk about the SEC, it's one conference. Right now. You have two divisions. Well, yeah, sure. Uh, but you have two divisions. You have East and West. Okay. The West is Alabama in it. That's all you need to know. The East does not have Alabama in it. So over the last decade, the East has been, let's say, the pretender division. Okay. Whereas in the 90s and early 2000s, the strength was in the East. Spurrier. Because right. Florida uh, and Phil Tennessee Fulmer. were hot. Yeah, absolutely. But for the last 10, 15 years with LSU and Alabama and Auburn, uh, it's been in the West. Mm-hmm. And we haven't had an SEC East team win a national championship since 2008 with Florida. Okay. Uh, so in any case, uh, we're going to look at the East tonight. And then on Thursday, during the Tennessee game, we're going to look at the West. Okay. Uh, and and look at that in depth. But we're going to start with the East, and our first expectation tonight is the team most likely to feel good at the end of the season. Yeah, start on a good note. I think would be great. Okay, so feel good at the end of the season. That that doesn't mean like necessarily like top of the best. That just means like for them they're going to feel good like with their own program Absolutely. and where they're going. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. so, you know, if, if your expectation is to win four games and you end up winning seven, I mean, you're going to be feeling pretty good. Mm-hmm. So let's start with that question. Who do you think, which of the seven teams in the SEC East, and just for everyone's knowledge, we, we've got Florida, Georgia, Kentucky, Missouri, South Carolina, Tennessee, and Vanderbilt. Which of those seven do you see feeling the best at the end of the season? Um, you know, cause we're talking relativity. Um, I'm going to say South Carolina. Okay. Because, um, you know, I think, you know, we've talked about, um, how their new coach Shane Beamer after media days, like he seems to really get it. And there seemed to be some motivation, some, yeah, motivation, some energy behind him and the program and recruiting. Um, and they were so low at the end of last year with Muschamp that I feel like if they can get to, uh, eight win season, yeah. Whoa. I know. Maybe seven. Yeah. Now I'm going down a little bit with okay. your reaction. Uh, <laughs> then, you know, like they're going to feel good. They're going to feel good. So yeah. I well, think they have the potential. And you look at just Carolina in context, the, back to our primers, early 2010s, they were arguably the best, most, con- they were definitely the most consistent program in the SEC East. And then the later part of the 2010s, Will Muschamp showed mm-hmm. up. So like, there's just not been a spark to their team. Mm-hmm. But I, I would agree with you in the sense that if they if they get to that bowl eligibility mark, they're going to feel pretty darn good. Mm-hmm. So here's what we got for you. So what we're going to do tonight is when we kind of bring up a team, we're then going to go into kind of a short two-minute preview on that team just to kind of keep it flowing a little bit and not that we have to like stop now and just talk. But so since Brittany says that South Carolina is the team that she thinks the fans are going to feel the best about at the end of the season, I guess, by the way, before we get into that, I guess that by saying that I'm inferring that Georgia fans are not going to win a national title. We'll get there. We'll okay. There. Don't throw that at me yet. <laughs> okay. I have thoughts. <clears throat> uh, but anyway, we're going to go now and listen and hear about South Carolina and what to expect from the Gamecocks this season. After crash landing at the end of the Will Muschamp era, South Carolina is looking for a bright new start under first-year head coach Shane Beamer. 
For any immediate success, the Gamecocks will have to lean on their running game with two legitimate standouts in Kevin Harris and Marshawn Lloyd. Harris became the first running back since 2000 last year to rush for over 200 yards in a game and score five touchdowns, as he did against Ole Miss. The offensive line returns four starters and should be improved from last year. Less certain is quarterback play with Luke Doty returning but suffering a preseason injury. The wide receiving cupboard returns four of their top six receivers, but losing Shai Smith's production will be difficult to replace. The strength of the defense will be on the line, where Kingsley Enigbare looks to improve on his total of six sacks a year ago. There are questions of depth, though, in the linebacking core, as the Gamecocks only returned two players who had double-digit tackles a year ago. There will also be questions in the defensive backfield, which lost some incredible talent and much of its experience. Parker White returns at kicker, where he is one of the more dependable SEC kickers inside of 50 yards. Looking at the schedule, the Gamecocks' best opportunity to reach bowl eligibility comes through their first seven games. Outside of a trip to Athens, South Carolina should have a fighting chance in every game, including games against East rivals Vanderbilt, Tennessee, and Kentucky. However, after the Commodores, South Carolina would do well to even win one game, as they must battle three top 15 teams in Texas A&M, Florida, and Clemson. Bowl eligibility would be a phenomenal achievement in year one for Shane Beamer, who must not only restock the talent pool in Columbia, but also transform a culture that has grown remarkably stale since the glory days of Steve Spurrier some 10 years ago. All right, so that's South Carolina. Who did you have as the team most likely to feel good? I'm going to go with the Missouri Tigers. Okay. And I think that... You drinking the drink of wits? Oh, I like that. I I like that a lot. How have I not thought of that? You're slow. It's fine. Uh, Okay. Well, you know what? I try to get by as best I can. Uh, Yeah, I think Missouri, I think this is kind of a momentum uh, continuation from last year. I think that uh, going five and five in SEC play was a a big plus. I think Drinkowitz is like Shane Beamer. He's got the ability to control the narrative in the media. Uh, where some of the SEC coaches don't have that as well. I think Drinkowitz can present Missouri as a very like plucky underdog type move. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think they're going to have a couple of really, just a little spoiler alert here, really big wins okay. this season. And I think on the strength of that, plus a, a strong uh, season overall, I think Missouri fans are going to be feeling really good at the end of the year. The problem, though, potentially, is that you don't want to feel too good because that might get other programs starting maybe to sneak around and and look for Missouri's coach, Aliyah Drinkowitz, as potentially an option to leave. But it's it's possibility. Uh, But but I'm going with Missouri as the team that will feel the best at the end of the year. They definitely feel like they're on the upward trajectory right now, right? There's a lot of hype and momentum. I think they've had a lot of players returning too. Um, And, you know, which you'll mention in their, in the preview that we're about to hear. Um, But I mean, I I feel like that is, um, can I, can I say, I feel like that's a safe uh, superlative that you just gave. Oh, is that right? Yeah. You think I'm not going aggressive enough? I mean, Sorry. I hope you're going to bring some Sorry, more. I was not here to say Vanderbilt's going to be enjoying their 11-1 and season. <laughs> what do you want from me? Missouri's a good call. Missouri could easily it go 4-8. and eight. It is. Yeah. Yeah, totally. You just told me it wasn't. No, I'm just saying it's a safe, a safe thing that Missouri's like not 
that they're going to do fine and they're going to be happy. Yeah, but I'm not saying fine. I'm saying they're going to do real well. Okay. Okay. Get this ass out of here. I see what you're doing. All right, let's hear about the Missouri Tigers this coming season. After a successful 5-5 five and five opening season for Elia Drinkowitz, momentum is high in Columbia, Missouri, and some see the Tigers as a legitimate threat to challenge Florida for second in the SEC East. Much of Missouri's hopes will rest on quarterback Connor Basilak's development after he had the highest completion percentage of any Missouri quarterback since 2008. Five of their top six wide receivers are back, but the offense must replace all-everything performer Larry Roundtree at running back. Long-term success may depend on equaling his production. The offensive line returns four starters, including star center Michael Maietti. The defense has six starters returning, led by defensive end Trajan Jeffcoat and defensive tackle Kobe Whiteside. The linebacking core will be the concern, but they do return their number two tackler, Devin Nicholson, and add Rice transfer, Blaze Aldridge. The secondary will also be tested, returning only two starters. Missouri returns star kicker Harrison Mevis, however, who hit 17 of 20 field goals during his freshman season. For the Tigers' schedule, September and October are relatively light. If the Tigers could find a way to split trips to Boston College and Kentucky, a home game against Texas A&M offers an exciting opportunity to make a national splash. However, Missouri's fate will likely be decided in November with a season ending with home games against South Carolina and Florida and concluding with a trip to Fayetteville against Arkansas. Missouri fans would likely expect the Tigers to win at least seven games after reaching 500 for an exclusive SEC schedule in 2020. And even the more optimistic Tiger fans might hope for nine wins and a second-place finish in the SEC East. All right, so we have talked about now the teams that are feeling good at the end of the season. It's only natural we talk about the ones that we feel will have some sort of existential crisis uh, during the season or maybe even after the season. So we will have that question. Which team is uh, – well, sorry. No, you're good. Uh, but which team is most likely to have an existential crisis? Let's talk about my Georgia Bulldogs. <laughs> All right. So I think, hear me out. A, we are we are prone to existential crises. Okay. This is just how, it's how it is. They're ups and downs, the emotions. Go back to the Georgia primer. We can, you'll, you can learn more about those. I think that Georgia's going to have an existential crisis after the season because they will have broken their 40-something-year record, and they're going to be like, what defines us now? Because... Oh, look at that. I did not see that coming. (laughs) I did not see that coming at all. (laughs) What? Because they're not going to know what to drive them anymore um, because they are going to win it all. This goes back to when you made fun of me when I said it, it's like the American Pharaoh thing where you don't, you cannot reckon with what you're seeing with the way your brain, like it, yes. it just goes against what you know is true. Right. Right. So you feel like that that in it, in essence is an existential crisis. Yes. So I don't want you Georgia fans to have that kind of crisis in the moment. So I think it would be only humane for me to cheer for Georgia to not win the national title. 
Okay. If you if that's how you feel like you want to choose to live your life in this house this season, then go for okay, it. Okay, I'm just looking out for your better mental health. Uh-huh. The betterment of your mental health, uh-huh. if you will. Uh, so you're calling Georgia to win the whole thing. I am. The whole shebang. The whole shebang. The whole enchilada. I mean, I got to put all of my hopes, dreams, fears, energy, juju, moo, 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 juju, all behind it. So <laughs> All the things. All the things. So what about you? Tell me about your... Oh, wait. No, we're not doing we, that yet. We, oh, we got to talk about Georgia. Let's talk about Georgia. <laughs> okay, let's talk about Georgia. So it, it's going to be a big year, apparently. So uh, we're going to go ahead and hear a little bit more about what to expect from the Georgia Bulldogs. Was that Savannah enough? I don't think it was Savannah. That's kind of yeah, it was, it was rough. Okay, here's Georgia. The time has likely come for Kirby Smart's Bulldogs to ascend to college football's mountaintop and topple the Crimson Tide. The combination of returning talent and roster questions throughout the rest of the league offers a tantalizing opportunity for the Dogs to seize their chance to win it all. Much is expected of USC transfer quarterback JT Daniels, who dazzled in the last month of the season in 2020 for Georgia once he was fit to play. The running back room is again stacked, offering talented options in Zeus White and James Cook, and perhaps the next great Georgia running back in Kendall Milton. The wide receiving core must absorb the loss of the injured George Pickens, but Kiaris Jackson, Jermaine Burton, and LSU transfer Arik Gilbert offer some dynamic options. The offensive line should be improved after a slightly disappointing 2020 campaign. On defense, Georgia should shine against an offensively challenged SEC East. Defensive tackle Jordan Davis turned down the NFL and should be a wrecking ball on the line of scrimmage. The linebackers are talented but inexperienced, and the secondary is littered with future first-rounders including Lewis Seen at free safety and Clemson transfer Darian Kendrick at corner. Georgia's... Specialists will grow in experience with Jack Pelesny and Jake Camarda challenging for all SEC recognition. Part of the enthusiasm surrounding Georgia is a less than stellar SEC schedule that should allow the dogs to be in the college football playoff conversation, even if they fail against Clemson in the first game of the season. Auburn looks down, and their West rotational game sees Sam Pittman return to Athens with his promising but likely overmatched Arkansas team. The season will likely once again come down to the cocktail party in Jacksonville and then the seemingly yearly bout with Alabama in the SEC championship game. If Georgia can win two of the combination of Clemson, Florida, and Alabama, then the dogs should be dancing in the college football playoff. All right, so only time will tell if Georgia will break our hearts again. But Our hearts? Uh, yes, everyone's hearts um but or we'll have this existential crisis but i want to hear from you well my existential crisis is not in the sense of oh we just broke a 43 year old or however long streak and now we get to like change our cognitive structures to to deal with that no mine is just more the same for the tennessee volunteers um it's just been a it's been a wild ride Mm. And I feel like that Tennessee football has been in one giant existential crisis for the last 15 years. Mm -hmm. And I don't see how that's going to change this year to a large degree. I Mm -hmm. think they're going to have some moderate success. I think there's a decent chance that Tennessee actually wins six games and goes to a bowl. But I think that there is this expectation in Rocky Top that Heupel's offense uh, that he's bringing from Central Florida is going to just be un you know, just dominant and just throw it all over the yard and 
be really successful. And I think it's not going to be that quite that easy. Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of changing expectations in the way that offense works, um, you know, it's going to be, I think, a little tricky. And I think for Tennessee fans, it will be yet another example of we just aren't what we used to be. I think we were talking about Nebraska mm-hmm. uh, a little bit earlier, and there's so many com- comparisons between Nebraska and there Tennessee. There really are. You know, yeah. historically. Um, but I I really see that that long journey continuing uh, for Tennessee fans. All right. So a not good existential crisis, kind of like a continuation of the existential crisis. Right. right? And I think there'll be progress, but I think still there will not be the turnaround that I'm sure a lot of Tennessee fans are thinking, Mm -hmm. being like, we're just going to, you know, throw the ball 50. It's kind of what, you know, Mike Leach brought last year. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, he brought this passing offense and they beat LSU, but they also went three and seven. So like, what do you want? Uh, so, Let's hear a bit about what's happening this year on Rocky Top and see if the Vols can turn around their miseries. After nearly 15 years of false starts, embarrassing coaching searches, and everything in between, volunteer fans are hoping that Josh Heupel will be the chosen one to bring glory back to Rocky Top. There's a case to be made that even if the coaching change won't result in division titles and championships, at least the very explosive high-pole offense will make Tennessee more exciting to watch. The expansive passing attack will depend on a talented quarterback, and Michigan transfer Joe Milton, Virginia Tech transfer Hendon Hooker, and freshman Harrison Bailey will battle for the starting job. Tennessee has few experienced options at running back after several transfers, and the wide receiving core was reinforced by several JUCO additions. The offensive line will also need to find new faces after losing three starters, including the legendary Trey Smith. There are seven returning starters on defense, but the Vols lost star linebacker Henry Toa Toa to Alabama. The Vols have three seniors starting on the defensive line, but they must show improvement if Tennessee is to improve on their disastrous defensive campaign last year. Trayvon Flowers should provide leadership for a defensive backfield that returns three starters. Kicker Brent Simaglia transferred to Georgia Tech, so Chase McGrath arrives from USC and should provide a reliable kicking option. Tennessee's non-conference schedule lightens up from previous years as only a home game against Pittsburgh may provide a challenge. The SEC schedule, however, does not provide respite. The yearly slaughter against Alabama will likely continue, and Tennessee welcomes its old friend Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss to Knoxville the week before the trip to Tuscaloosa. Missouri and Kentucky are two teams that could be nicked by the Vols in the SEC East, but both games are on the road and should prove difficult. Winning three games in conference play will be an exceptional accomplishment, but if Heupel's offense purrs and the defense improves, the Vols may just sneak up on some. All right, so that's Tennessee. Now, let's talk. We've talked about the fans who will be feeling high. We've talked about the fans feeling low. Let's go to the middle. The team that's most likely to go 8-4 and four and nobody notices. Is that, like, is that something you desire your program to be? Like, um, like nobody no- notices we're here? Yeah, but you like go to a New Year's Bowl game every year. Um, but no one really knows that you're in existence you know i mean i i'll i'd say my pick would be that for this 
Mm-hmm. Like, I think that they would be, you want me to go ahead and tell you like what my pick is? No, I'm just not saying yet. just okay. generally, would you <clears throat> like if your program every year won eight to nine games and nobody noticed, but you were guaranteed competitive football every year? You never crashed. Okay. I personally would not because I like it more attention. Okay. Um, but, <laughs> but I'm sure there are some teams that are like, yeah, it's what we do. Well, We're here to play. It's what we do. Well, let me give you one, and that would be Kentucky. Because mm. over the last four or five years, you can just go ahead and pencil in Kentucky for seven and eight wins. Uh, they snuck up and won nine and then ten of the bowl game a couple years ago. But I think it's just going to be another one of those stories is that Kentucky's going to go eight and four. Um, I actually don't know if that's my – exact prediction Mm -hmm. but like they're most likely to hit that mark Mm -hmm. Uh, and no one notices because they lose to the teams they're supposed to and they beat the teams that they're supposed to and like the tree fell in the forest and no one noticed so how do you feel about that i am fine i am fine with that because again i think it's expectations right and i think kentucky football fans are still the majority are still in the position of (laughs) <laughs> you know, bowl games. This is kind of cool, right? To actually go seven and eight wins is kind of neat. And if this is not where all of your eggs are and not in this football basket, then eight and five, that's fun. Oh, yeah. Well, that you know, that's another, yeah, for sure. You know, like, that's fun. Like, I think, it, like, the Kentucky basketball program is not, does not have that, like. Oh, no. Like, it would be <laughs> right. the equivalent of saying, like, the Kentucky basketball team got a five seed in the NCAA tournament and lost every year in the second round. Right. I mean, that would lead to like uh, societal breakdown. Right. Which I think actually, right. But for, I think probably most SEC schools, they would be like, Hey, we got on the tournament every but year. But in basketball. Yes. Right? I mean, that's yeah. like what, I mean, it's, that's a dream. Those, those Kentuckys, you know, flipped upside down. We, there. Yeah. That's what we do. Uh, so anyway, let's hear a little bit more about the Kentucky Wildcats this year and what to expect. In Lexington, Mark Stoops will have only had one task in the offseason to take the Kentucky Wildcats to another level, that being finding a way to build some sort of passing offense. Los Angeles Rams offensive assistant Liam Cohen should bring a more balanced approach to the Kentucky offense as he was hired as the new offensive coordinator. Any progress in the passing game should make Kentucky's stout rushing attack even more dangerous. The transfer portal brought to Lexington Penn State transfer quarterback Will Levis and Nebraska wide receiver Wondell Robinson, and those two pieces should complement a great offensive line and running back Chris Rodriguez, who averaged 6.6 yards per carry last season. The defense only returns five starters, but there's plenty of experience amongst the returnees. Kentucky needs to find an effective pass rush, and depth at linebacker might also be a concern. The emergence of Josh Paschal at defensive end may be a story to watch. If healthy, then he will disrupt passing games to a degree not seen in Lexington since Josh Allen. The secondary is deep and talented, led by free safety use of Corker, who will challenge for all SEC positions. Replacing all SEC punter Max Duffy will be a challenge, as the Wildcats used his talents to execute its field position, rush-heavy game strategy the last several years. The schedule sets up nicely for Kentucky to start the season. A second-week matchup against Missouri will set the stage for the beginning of the year. October is a gauntlet, with consecutive games coming against Florida, LSU, and Georgia. Winning two of these three would be a defining mark for years to come. 
If Kentucky can head into the final month of the season above 500, then the Cats have an excellent chance at another eight-win campaign with an underwhelming stretch run offering opportunities to end with momentum. So that is my pick for the most likely to go eight and four. Uh, Brittany, who do you have? Um, so we were talking about like who would be like totally just fine with this. You know, I have all of these like thoughts and feelings about different areas of the country and their personalities. Um, and I feel like this is a very Midwestern sensibility of, you know what, we are happy we are good at playing the game, and we don't need all that flashy attention, you know? And so I'm going to say Missouri. Okay. Going back to um, Columbia for this one. And um, I think that they um, are going to get some good wins, and I think they're going to get some good losses, and I think that's going to be that. I don't think they're going to be like in any contention for anything right. more than that. I think right. the Florida and the Georgia are going to be flashier. And I think the dive bombs of maybe like a Tennessee or um, maybe South Carolina, or I don't know, like would be a flashier dive bomb. Right. You know, right. I think they're just going to be kind of in the middle of the, of the rack. Yeah. They're going to, they're going to be there. They're going to show up and make it happen. Well, we've already talked about Missouri. That's right. Uh, in our in-depth analysis. <clears throat> so we don't have to do that again. So, uh, we're going to move on to another expectation. And this one is, and this is kind of sad, but I think okay. we, sh- I think we should hit it. The team most likely to call it quits by October 1st. And, what I mean by that is not a COVID thing. Okay. Don't be morbid. Uh, but it's that, you know what? The first month happened and things did not go well and we're kind of stressed mm-hmm. and it's very sad and there's really no hope. Okay. And, uh, I think that the team most likely to call it quits by October 1st is going to be South Carolina. Oh, you don't have my, my hope. I do not. In the Beamer. I do not. I think that Beamer is going to be really good, but I think there's a, a reason why he's been very positive uh, at the beginning of the season. Mm, uh, and so positivity. Because I think he, I think <clears throat> it's just going to be a struggle. I think t- talent-wise, they're down. I think they've got some, they've always had some individual players who are, who are great individual talents. But I don't know if they're in a position right now where they can consistently compete. And if you look at their schedule, um, there is like hope in the first two weeks. Uh, they've got two non-conference games, including a trip to East Carolina. That mm-hmm. if, they, if they lose that, they're definitely in this zone. But then they play Georgia and then Kentucky. And I think that those are two teams that have far and away more talent than South Carolina right now. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just going to show Gamecock fans that they're going to have to wait it out. Yeah. Um, they're, they're not going to be able to come, come back immediately. So I'm going to go South Carolina. Okay. You're right. This is kind of a sad category. It is a little bit. It yeah. is. It is. Because you don't want to celebrate that. No, but. you do not. Uh, but, I, you know, we had to bring up Vanderbilt somehow. So <laughs> I, I think that's. Listen, so, you know, I made fun of you earlier for doing an easy pick, but I feel like that's what this one is for me. It's kind of an easy, uh, safe pick. And I'm going to do Vanderbilt. You know, they have their under first year coach, Clark Lee. They did absolutely terrible did not win one single game last year you right. know we're, we're really at the bottom of the pit for for vandy um and i mean i we i like 
Clark Lee, but man, they got they got a long way to go up. They do. You know, it's it's going to take a lot, and they are always going to be playing in the SEC and having this kind of schedule. Who is their other West team? Uh, it's Mississippi State. Oh, okay. So it's a uh, it's a you know that's going to be a little help, or at least a chance to be helpful. Yeah, yeah, but still, again, you know, I think uh, there's not a lot of built-in culture at Vanderbilt for football. Right. And so I think with each new coach, that is a big criteria for them is to continue to build their, put to their build a culture, culture and yeah. put that in there. And I think that just takes time. Yeah. So, so we do uh, want to offer a little bit of insight on Vanderbilt this year. And, um, I think though it wouldn't take much for Vanderbilt fans to be in that. We feel the best at the end of the season. Um, Maybe three or four wins. I mean, really, yeah. any, any wins this year compared I think to last year. For an but, unexpected win, I think that yeah. that would put them in that category. Is Absolutely. If you can get a win that you were not expecting to get, get that. I would, I would put move, them, move categories. There you, you go. But they are where they are right now. So let's hear a little bit more about the Vanderbilt Commodores. Not much could have gone worse for Vanderbilt last season, going 0 9 against an all SEC schedule that included the Georgia game being canceled. Not surprisingly, Derek Mason's time in Nashville came to an end, and the Commodores called home one of its own to resurrect the struggling program. Clark Lee comes from Notre Dame to become the head coach, and his first task will be to bring belief back to the Commodores. Lee will see potential in quarterback Ken Seals and a receiving core that returns all three starters. If Vanderbilt can establish a running game, which was a relative strength during the Mason regime, then the Commodores may be able to score a little bit on offense. Last year, the offensive line was ravaged by COVID protocols before starters return and should help boost the rushing attack. Defense, however, may be a greater concern. The the defensive line loses its top two players and must figure out the rotation at those positions. The linebackers will be led by Faletti Afamui and Anthony Orji, and the defensive backfield returns all four starters. Still, though, there are major concerns that Vanderbilt has the talent and the depth to hold up in the back to support the young and inexperienced defensive line. Joe Bolivas transfers from Alabama to handle the kicking duties. Of all the SEC teams a year ago, no team was hampered more by COVID protocols than Vanderbilt. While that cannot be the only reason to explain a winless season, it certainly did not help the Commodores build any serious momentum after a near miss in the first game of the year against Texas A&M. The schedule, however, softens up a bit this year with two winnable non-conference games against ETSU and UConn. Four wins is an admirable target for Clark Lee's first season, and a rotational West game at home against Mississippi State will certainly help their chances. But it should be baby steps for Lee, and rebuilding the culture will be pivotal to lay the foundation for Vanderbilt to return to competitive form. All right, so we are to our last expectation now, and that is the coach most likely to leave. I actually love this category because there's so many dynamics at play. Like you're like, oh, who's most likely to get fired? It's just not that, right? It's who's most likely to maybe get a better job in college, maybe someone who wants to go to the NFL, maybe someone who wants to retire. There's all sorts of fun things here. Right. I think the primers taught us that um, coaches have left for so many different reasons throughout right. the SEC. Oh, yes. These last... Who's, go- who's most likely to get in a scandal? I, I mean, know. That is a fun discussion to have. I know. Uh, but I'm going to let you start on your coach that is most likely to leave. 
Um, you know, I don't. I, I'm. I have hypo. I just, I just don't have really? the hype for hypo. Really? Yeah. First year. I know. Like, what's the circumstance that he could leave? Um, I don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see. He doesn't seem like a super spicy guy. Like yeah. he would like have some kind of like I'm gonna have to leave in the night. <laughs> Okay. But <laughs> I was just thinking, like spicy. You're like, there's no scandal with him. Well, I, but then again, I don't know if I would have thought Petrino would have. But maybe I would. I don't know. Anyways, yeah. Um, but I think that I. So I don't think it's going to be anything scandalous. Um, but I think that that program is floundering, and I think that things might happen where they shift things around. And I think, I don't know, I'm very uncommitted to what exactly causes him to leave, but you know, I think it just seems unstable. I think this was a very difficult question for the sec East because you've got three new coaches. You've got, I think two coaches that outside of a scandal, they're not going anywhere. Kirby smart, Mark Stoops. Uh, So, so for me, it left me with two choices. Mm -hmm. It was either Elijah Drinkwitz or Dan Mullen. Mm Mm-hmm. And I felt like that there was some scuttlebutt over the last year of Dan Mullen potentially going to the NFL. Right. So I'm going to ride that train and I'm going to pick Dan Mullen. All right. And I don't think, I think that would be the only outside of like scandal or something like that, but I don't want to predict that. Uh, But I think that's the only circumstance he would leave. I don't think they're going to fire him if Florida goes four and eight. Um of course, they kind of did that before <laughs> with yeah. McIlwain. Uh, but I think that um, I think that if if he does leave Florida, then he would probably uh, go to the NFL. Florida to round out our previews um, is the defending SEC East champs. Um, they are certainly going to be rebuilding in the sense of replacing their top talent. Mm-hmm. But it's Florida. And there's going to be talent ready to emerge. So let's hear a little bit about the Gators coming into the season. After a year that was better than what the final record suggested, the Florida Gators look to build on the momentum that a division championship brought a year ago. But offensively, Dan Mullen will have to work his magic to replace Kyle Trask at quarterback and perhaps the most dominant player in college football a year ago, Kyle Pitts. Emory Jones will be the chosen one at quarterback, and he will benefit from a capable backfield led by Damian Pierce and Malik Davis. There is plenty of talent at wide receiver, but little experience, as the Gators must replace Pitts and talented slot receiver Kadarius Toney. The offensive line, which struggled to establish any sort of run game a year ago, must replace three starters and represents a considerable concern for Coach Mullen. Florida will return most of their front seven on defense and will be led by defensive end Zachary Carter and linebackers Ventrell Miller and Brenton Cox. The secondary will be a question mark, and despite the standout talents of Kair Elam, replacing such a talented and experienced defensive backfield will be important for the Gators to repeat as SEC champs. The Gators also... The Gators must also replace quality kicker Evan McPherson, but replace him with Mississippi State transfer Jace Christman. Most are picking Florida to come in second behind Georgia in the East, and one of the key reasons is Florida having to host Alabama as their rotational West opponent. Florida also has to travel to LSU and must play Kentucky and Missouri both on the road. 
Despite the difficult conference schedule, the Gators face few threats amongst their out-of-conference opponents, including in-state opponents Florida Atlantic, South Florida, and a downtrodden Florida State. If the Gators were to somehow upset Alabama in Week 3, then the possibilities are endless. All right, so there's Florida, and we got all of our kind of... Was, um, was it painful for you to listen to expectations for Florida, just to, in general, like some like sunny outlook for Florida? I mean, or? it does make my heart race a little bit that I'm like, please don't tell me Florida's going to be good again. Please okay. don't tell me Florida's going to be good again. But, you know... But we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. All right, so we have one more um, uh, expectation superlative, and that is who is most likely to get murdered? by Alabama in the SEC championship. I love this one. It's so much fun because, again, dynamics, right? I mean, is the team that many people think is going to win the East, would they get murdered by Alabama? Mm-hmm. Uh, who knows? But we both came up to the same conclusion, mm-hmm. and we both picked two. Florida. Oh, there you go. Go Gators. Yep. Why do we not pick Georgia? Um, well, obviously, I have them flying Flying past flying the, high. the flying high, go on, sweet Flying Aga. past the SEC championship. <laughs> Grow your wings, fly. Um, so I, um, I, you know what? You came up with this one. I know. Um, I don't know if I have Bama in the SEC championship. <gasps> what? I know that's for it's next blasphemy. time. But what? I know. Um, but I, I think you know we both picked Florida because I think that they're the only other one that I could imagine being in the SEC championship. How dare you, because, first of all. <laughs> well, we got a lot of newbies. We got a lot of newbies, okay? It's got- Vandy's here. We all know it's true. <laughs> what if that happened? Just for a second. What if Vandy went 11-1? Oh, and one? gosh. Okay, yeah. keep going. Um, <laughs> so, dream. and I think Florida, I, Florida actually does play Bama this year they in do. the regular season, yep. so we mm-hmm. would get, they might get murdered by well, Bama. Well, in Florida, of all the teams last year uh, that Bama played, Florida played in the best. Right. 52-46 SEC title game. It wasn't even close. But all those offensive stars are gone. So, I mean, you totally could see Florida making the title game, but I don't think they have the, the horses or the, the alligators. That was. So are you speak, talking uh, about the SEC championship game? From last year, From yeah. last year, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, I also think that Florida builds – I think that they get better as the season goes on. Yeah. You know, and so um, I think they're playing Bama. I don't know. You have the schedule. Over third, there. third third week of the season. So, yeah. You know, I so don't. Pretty early. I mean, with no, no, with a non-returning quarterback, right. with, you know, so many turnovers, I think that. Yeah. It's going to be tough. Uh, yeah. All right. So now it's time for us to make some predictions. All right. So how are we going to do this? So uh, basically, I think what we did, did you predict records? Or did you just no, have to order? I oh. just have the order. I thought it's a legitimate question. I'm don't sorry. judge me. I'm just not. I I don't know if y'all have noticed this. This is very key to our entire podcast. I'm not a numbers person. I am a narrative person. So I have all the stories in my head of why these teams are where they are. But do not ask me for a number. No, because I'll just it. contradict myself. I'll be yeah. like, they're eight and four. Like, well, how'd they get eight and four if well, they're nine and two? That was I don't like. Know. So did you? You, you need to get one of these football grids and you need to like predict game by game i know like I do. we did last year we did that last year and you wiped the floor with me i know it wasn't even close uh so this is all wrong but i think what we should do is go in reverse order okay. and just unveil who we think is because that's what you have right mm-hmm. is the placement so let's go ahead and unveil who or will finish you know as we go up the last yeah. and then top okay so who do you have for 
dead last. Okay, I mean, I have Vandy. Oh. I know. Does Vandy win an SEC game? Yes. You you say yes? Yes, I say yes. Do you have a guess on who they will beat? Um, I'm going to say South Carolina. Okay. And a um, very close Tennessee game. Okay. Uh, I do not have Vandy winning any SEC games. Okay. So, there well, we go. Well, you heard it, Vandy fans. That's where we differ. <laughs> but you have them last. I do. Okay. Yes. Okay, so we came to the same conclusion. I just have a little more hope and being a little nicer, giving my hope towards them, and yes. you were not. Okay. I do not have any just hope wanted for everyone them. to know that. All right, what's... And so... I do have Vandy winning two games, though, this year. Okay. So, good for you. Okay. All right. Uh, sixth place. Right. I have South Carolina. Okay. Oh, here we go. I have Tennessee. Oh, wow. I know. I thought you were agreeing with me. Oh, no, no. I'm not you agreeing with you. You are feeling good about South Carolina. I know. And, and I'm eight wins. I <laughs> No, I you don't have that. I told down. you I'm not. I just throw numbers out there. Yeah, you remember really when do. I? Who did I say was like had a hundred rushing bat touchdowns? Do you remember? Oh, okay, that was like that. three months ago. Okay. I did. You asked me like how many rushing touchdowns someone's had, <laughs> I, and I, I said a hundred. I do remember. And that. I thought it was yards. And yeah. anyways, I'm. That was yeah, funny. Y'all just bear with. Okay, so yeah, I have Tennessee. I have Tennessee not doing great. You know, I mm. I mean, I'm again, I'm not hyped on the hype tra- hypeal train. Apparently not. Uh, so I have South Carolina at six. I have them winning one SEC game, and that is against Vanderbilt. You should have printed one of these off for me. Well, you, you should have printed one off for you. Well, this was like a month ago, Goodness. and I just went ahead and did it. I feel it. so unprepared. Okay. Well, that's okay. Okay. We'll do. Do you want to? We'll do this before the SEC. Okay, West. we'll do it for the West. Okay. Oh, it's not like I have other things to think about. <laughs> All okay. right. So who's fifth? I have fifth place being Tennessee. Okay. And I have Missouri. Oh. I know. I know. I have them kind of lower than I think a lot of other polls have them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I've got Tennessee. You know, I mentioned that Tennessee existential crisis. Uh, I don't know why. Because I have Tennessee winning. I, I want to whisper this so this isn't held against me later on. I have Tennessee winning seven games. Oh, wow. Wow. So I don't know why I picked them for existential crisis. But yeah. I think maybe like their first loss is to Florida, and then I have them losing to Missouri, so they'll probably all just you know fall apart then. But gotcha. there we go. Tennessee's in fifth. All right. So I had, and I had Missouri in fifth. So okay. let's go on. We're going to fourth. Yeah. Who do you have fourth? South Carolina. Oh, okay. I know this is my hot take. That is. Uh, is I have South Carolina. I mean, and again, I I'll, next time I'll have how many wins that. And you'll have to, have to you'll to have to, to figure it. out. I'm gonna be interested to see how you like keep track of your. I know. Calculus. I feel like if I did that, I might come to some different conclusions. Yeah. But you know what? I'm putting. We got South Carolina. You got fourth. them in fourth. I got them. Uh, I've got Kentucky in fourth. Uh, Kentucky oh. eight and four yeah. record. So, you uh, so you're happy. You're yeah. Ha- happy little content wildcat. I mean, that's weird. Um, <laughs> so we'll see how that plays out. Third place. Who do you got? Florida. Oh, so do I. Really? Third place, I do. Oh, yes. I thought that was going to be controversial. That really. I have Florida so low. Uh, no, I have Florida uh, third. Who and- do you have second? Who do you think? I don't know. Well, there's two teams okay. left. I can't uh, well, remember. Let's talk about Florida first. Okay, Florida is third. Yes. I think I, I put them because I think that they don't have a quarterback yet. I think their quarterback's going to be good, but I don't think they're going to be good soon enough. So that's why I put them as third. It's a little unproven. Um, but, uh, yeah, they've got a tough schedule, right? they got Bama at home. they right. got to go to LSU. they got the cocktail party. 
And then I have them also losing to the second place team in the East, and mm-hmm. that is Missouri. Okay. See, I told you they would be feeling good at the end of the season. Yeah, they definitely will be feeling good you if that's what happens. You were not taking notes if you had to ask who second I'm, was. Well, obviously, I'm How not taking you? notes. Um, so Missouri, <laughs> I have them winning, uh, going eight and four and five and three in conference. And here's my, my hot take games. Mm-hmm. I have Missouri beating Florida at home, okay. which I don't think is unlike realistic. Right. I also have them beating Texas A&M at home. Oh. That's my... That's my, okay. I don't know what that sound was. So. I don't know. Those are like really <laughs> yeah, weak was, guns, if that's what know, that my was. guns did not go off well. No. Uh, but no, I have Missouri. Uh, but then also losing uh, early on to Kentucky and also a road game to Boston College. So they're all over the place. Do you have them losing to Kentucky because you want them to lose to Kentucky? Who, Missouri? Yeah. No, I think they will lose to Kentucky. Okay. I think Kentucky Because you're going to that game. So I, mean, you I will want, be at that game. So you want it Reporting to be good live. for you. We're going to do the podcast during the game. We are not. Um, we're not doing that. Mm-hmm. So, um, all right. So who's your number one? Uh, my number one is the Georgia Bulldogs. That's right. And you know, I don't, and that's of course what mine is too. And I know that's not super, um, hot take because I think a lot of people have Georgia. Um, you know, there's just a lot of hype around Georgia right now, um, which makes me, uh, queasy in the stomach to say, honestly, cause I've had a lot of hype in my life. Um, but yeah, so Georgia, we both have Georgia heading to the um, SEC championship. And I have Georgia going undefeated. Oh, really? 12 and 0. Mm-hmm. Nice. So no pressure. Okay. Uh, we'll see if I get I didn't know wrong. you felt that way about Georgia. It kind of well, warms I my feel heart. Like, I feel like they're in good position, uh, which certainly will lead to tragic heartbreak. Now, I, I did not, I, I don't have any predictions beyond the regular season. Okay. So we'll see what happens I have after some that. Some things formulating in my brain. So okay. Well, if Georgia goes twelve and zero the regular season, it doesn't matter what they do in the SEC title game; they will be in the playoff. Right. Right. So uh, that so is. So is that my for prediction. the East? You really only have Georgia having any kind of playoff contention. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because the best any other team, I mean, there's no other team that has less than four losses. Oh, okay. Um. Uh, Florida schedule's too tough. Uh, Kentucky's got the Florida LSU Georgia stretch in October. That thing's going to be tough. And then Missouri, I think they lose. That. The Missouri's not going to be in playoff contention. Right. Uh, they just you know beat Florida, and that's why I have them in second place in the. Uh, but I also have them losing to Arkansas. So. Oh okay. So Missouri's going to be all over the place. Okay. Um. So. Uh, that is our predictions game by game. But we also wanted to give, before we get out of here, we wanted to give a shout out to just what's happening week one, because that's what we'll usually do, uh, with the, uh, the Thursday night podcast mm-hmm. is we'll, we'll talk about, which will come out on Friday. Usually, uh, we'll talk a little bit about like what's to come during the, uh, the games, uh, that are to come that weekend. So there's really not a lot of big games, um, this season or this weekend uh, beyond Georgia Clemson, which is a massive game. Yes. Yeah. I had to look up most of these teams outside and of who Clemson they were. and who they were. Yeah. So, so let's just run over it real quick. Who do we get? Who, what are we looking at? This so weekend? we start off, like we said, on Thursday night with Tennessee versus Bowling Green. Right. Um, and then the rest of our games are on Saturday. And we have uh, Kentucky versus Louisiana Monroe. Mm-hmm. Missouri versus Central Michigan. Uh, South Carolina versus East Illinois. Eastern? East Eastern Illinois. Illinois. Eastern Illinois. 
uh, Vanderbilt versus Eastern Tennessee State, ETSU, and then Florida versus Florida Atlantic. I wonder if that's a like a rivalry. Yeah, I doubt it. Okay. I don't know. Um, so yeah, like, and then Georgia versus Clemson, right. which is like has enough um, hype and stress that yes. it, it just did not disperse to the rest of the East. It just absorbed <laughs> all, all the, of it, all the week one stress, all of it, and that's going to be played in Atlanta. Um, no, it's in Charlotte. Oh no, it's in Charlotte. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. That's right. Uh, well, who's the Atlanta game? Uh, Bama and. Miami. Oh yeah, that's right. That game's gonna suck, but that's gonna be next. It's gonna be terrible. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, really, Georgia Clemson is gonna be. We've talked about that enough, but it's gonna be. Uh, Clemson's gonna be good. Clemson's gonna be good this year. Yep. So, mm-hmm. um. But it's also at the beginning of the season, so you can't take it too too seriously. But right. also, you can because they're these are two teams that very likely will be in the playoff i think for georgia georgia can lose this game but then georgia has to win out to get to the playoff i don't really see a georgia team going 11 and 2 uh unless there's some craziness and like you know clemson loses in the acc uh oklahoma loses in the big 12 Ohio State loses in the Big Ten. Like potentially a two-loss SEC team gets in over a one-loss somewhere else. Uh, but Georgia doesn't really play. They don't really play anybody else. I think outside of Florida, who's going to be highly ranked. Mm-hmm. So they got to win that title game. So mm-hmm. that's where it's important. They're not out of the playoff, but they have no margin for error. Um, you know, as far as Clemson goes, you know they their schedule is if they lose, I. I it's going to be really tricky for them. Mm-hmm. I think if, because again, looking at their schedule, where's the, where's the big win? Right. Right. Where's that coming from? They don't play North Carolina during the season. Who's fairly highly ranked. Uh, Miami is decent, at least right now, mm-hmm. uh, perceived to be decent. So, you know, we'll see. Uh, it's a big game. I think it's a bigger game for Clemson uh, than Georgia, but I think for Georgia it's big because if you beat that, you're now you're now in the in crowd. You're and now when, in that that trio at right. the top. Right. And when was the last time Georgia played Clemson? I don't know. It's been some time ago. It has, it's, and uh, I think that four you know, or five years ago. Right. And Clemson, you know, has always been either like I mean, are on par with Bama, right? And Georgia's head up against Bama enough times and fallen back of course right you know i think it's it's good for us to see like okay we can't obviously bama is our our weak point but like what do we look like against other power teams just right. like bama so right. i think it's psychologically i think it's logistically more important for clemson i think psychologically it's probably more important for georgia uh because if you're a georgia fan then you know you lose that game again maybe you beat florida during the year and you know Auburn's going to be down. Really, there's no other team you beat in the East that you really feel good about yourself headed into that SEC title game. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's kind of where it's at. Well, we're excited. We're going to come back and be with you again Thursday night into Friday uh, as we talk about the West, mm-hmm. and we're going to talk the uh, to see if anybody can challenge Alabama this year. It sounds like you think so. Yes. Oh man, that's going to be exciting. Uh, to, to see how that turns out. But we're looking forward to it. And college football is here and SEC football is nigh. Yes. Is that, that a correct is right. usage I think of the so. Yeah, sure. No, let's run with it. All right. I'm Ben. I'm Brittany. And this has been You, Me, and the SEC. Bye.